at Philippi was a church that we read about in Acts um, as, as one that Paul was involved in the starting of. Uh, and this letter comes from Paul and Timothy uh, to the church, to the people um, who meet, uh, who, are, who call themselves Christians, who are followers of Jesus in that town, possibly that area around Philippi. And um, we'll discover that Paul is currently in prison uh, when he writes it, and um, that also the church at Philippi is, is um, undergoing a certain amount of difficulty. Uh, there's some persecution, there's some differences of opinion about how to live our life, and um, really nothing's changed, has it, from there to Medway. So here we go. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I just want to pause at that point with that greeting, grace and peace to you. Other letters talk about grace, mercy and peace. Uh, we even started our service, didn't we, with, with that phrasing. I think that's how it started anyway. Yes, grace, mercy and peace from God. It's worth just, I think, thinking a little bit about um, those two words, grace and peace. We know that the peace of God comes to us as uh, something that is not given by the world. We know that that comes as we bring our... Uh, our burdens to Jesus, and Paul unpacks that um, later on in, um, in Philippians. But grace, I think we have to remember that that grace is not mercy. Mercy is forgiveness, so grace is something else. Um, and to my mind, grace is around recognizing that sense that God has put his spirit in us. And so the same power that's at work in us is the same power that raised Christ from the dead. So we're called to be people who live in power and in peace, in the power of the Spirit. So maybe when it gets to sharing the peace, we should share the power and the peace of the Lord be with you. Because actually, that's really quite important that we recognise and we live our lives recognising that God's Spirit lives in us. And um, I recognise I waxed lyrical on that last week as well, so let's not, let's not dwell too long on that one. Let's move on then. Uh, Paul writes, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the Gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. And again, we could spend all of our time together thinking about those few verses. Um, just notice that partnership in the gospel. That sense that actually it's everybody's calling to be people of the gospel, people of good news, people that are good news to neighbours, friends, work colleagues, family. And it's a partnership. We do it together. We provoke one another to godly living. But not just godly living, but godly living out in this world. So who's calling you to be accountable? Who's asking you about how your day's been? Who's asking you about... Have you 
being part of that partnership in the gospel. But equally, we need to think a little bit about what is the gospel. You know, yes, we can talk about we're good news for the world. And some people would want to talk about, you know, the social benefits of that friendship and um, therefore, you know, statistically less depression and so on and so on and so on um, amongst God's people. But actually, that good news, as we all know, is about God's love for us, about that reality that we are enabled to spend eternity with God in heaven because Jesus came and died for us. And that's the good news that we want to be on our lips and in our lives. And we live in response to that. And notice that it's not a finished thing. Um, Verse 6 talks about, He who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. The day of the return of the Lord. Or indeed our death, depending on which comes first. But there is that sense that actually we will continue to grow in faith. The point of being described as followers of Jesus is that we go somewhere. We continue to develop in our understanding, in our response to God's amazing love for us. So my hope is that you can say that this year I am different in at least some way to how I was last year, or two years ago, or five years ago. Because I've discovered more of God's love for me. I've discovered new ways of responding to God's love. That's my hope and my prayer for you. But remember, it's Jesus that's the author and perfecter of faith. And Paul carries on then at verse 7. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you. Since I have you in my heart, and whether I am in chains or or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you sharing God's grace with me. All of you sharing God's grace. All of you sharing God's power then with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer for you. Well, what is it? Here we go. That your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. So that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Wow, what a prayer, eh? But Paul's first statement is that his prayer is that he would, he, we would grow in love, that they would grow in love, abound more and more in love. And that would be shown in knowledge and depth of insight. So that there's a sense of independence here, isn't there? That we may be able to discern what is best rather than being told what is best. We understand how to think rather than what to think. There's a difference, isn't there? Teachers will tell you the difference between rote learning and, and understanding the principles of life. That actually we need to able, we need to grow in ourselves so that we are able to discern what is best, what God calls us to, rather than being told what we're supposed to be doing. And that we may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness. Now again, that's a little uh, interesting um, phrase to unpick a little bit. Fruit, righteousness then, we are made righteous with God, we are made 
right, it's a fruit of right living then. So the consequences of knowing grace and peace, to go back to the greeting, and of the, the growth of love, and of the adoption, and of us understanding our adoption into the family of God, are about living our lives to God's glory. It's about sanctification, if you like, about sense of growing up in Christ. It's about our habits of speech, thought, and action being to reflect God's goodness. It's about living for the one, for God, rather than for me. goes on, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace garden to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. Now, Admit, I struggle slightly with the logic of this. Because my friend is in prison for proclaiming the gospel, so I have the courage to proclaim the gospel. In worldly terms, you would go, because my friend is in prison for speeding, I'm not going to speed. But actually, the logic seems to be because my friend Paul is in prison for proclaiming the gospel, so I have the courage to proclaim the gospel. And presumably I'm willing to risk being put in prison too. I wonder if it's more about saying, this gospel is so important to proclaim, that if one man's out of the picture, we'll step up to the mark. And we'll do it. Um, It's reminiscent, I think, of um, the way that the church in China has grown. When the missionaries were thrown out, so the locals really grasped the call to proclaim the gospel. And the church really, really grew massively in the years when there was no Western influence on the local Christian Chinese population. But I'm intrigued about that willingness to do stuff that is so, as it were, outrageous to the authorities that they're willing to be put in prison. And I wonder whether we value the good news that much. Whether we're willing to proclaim, in word and deed, that good news. And willing, if God calls us to, to suffer physically the consequences of what we're up to. Because actually we live life to the glory of the one, don't we? So they dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. Verse 15 then. It's true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, others out of goodwill. The latter do so out of love, knowing that I'm put here for the defence of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing they can stir up trouble for me while I'm in chains. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this I rejoice. The important thing is that in every way, Christ is preached. What ways are we using to 
preach Christ. Jesus, the Messiah, the one who comes to save us. So because of that, Paul rejoices. And I will continue to rejoice, says Paul, for I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Christ Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance, or perhaps vindication, or perhaps salvation. Um, Who knows what he really means there. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by my life or by death. For to me is live is Christ, and to die is gain. If I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labour for me. But what shall I choose? I do not know. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. But it's more necessary for you that I remain in the body. So convinced of this, I know that I will remain and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith. So that through being with you again, your boasting in Christ Jesus will abound on account of me. Whatever happens then, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Let's read that again. Whatever happens, conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. How's your week been, friends? Have you conducted yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ? How could next week be different? More worthy, as it were. And what does that mean anyway? Worthy of the gospel. So, to my mind, that's about saying we need to be, we're called to be people who others find attractive. Who others say, there's something about them that means they have peace, that means they have hope, that means, but equally we need to be in relationships where people can see that. And see it and not necessarily just talk about it. So Paul writes, Whatever happens then, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then, when I come and see you, or if I only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in the one spirit. Striving together as one for the faith of the gospel. Notice again the togetherness of that. Like we talked about before, that sense of partnership. That together we strive as one for the faith of the gospel. Without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. This is the sign to them that that they will be destroyed. But that you will be saved. And that by God. For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ. Not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him. Since you are going through the same struggle you saw I had and now hear that I still have striving uh, together as one for the gospel. Now I don't think we have over much sense of suffering for Christ in this land in these days. Yes, a few might claim that it's a bit more difficult at work and that might possibly is so, but it's not that people are losing their jobs because of their faith particularly. It's not that people are losing housing. 
There might be family members who don't really want to talk to you, but maybe they're just afraid of your faith. But I suspect that suffering will be more part of the landscape of life in the future years. But whether it is or it isn't, we are called to a life where together we strive for the gospel. Where together we are in a partnership in telling out and living out this good news. Where we support each other in a sense of, of a community working together. So I wonder what conduct worthy of the gospel can we aspire to? I talked a few weeks about up, in and out as a model for daily life. Um, and that was around, so up being around time spent with God in prayer. Um, in being about time spent, some time spent react, interacting with other Christians. And then out being about spending time with those that are not yet Christian. And thinking about that as a model for how we might think about each day. Have we spent some of our day in prayer? Have we spent some of our day with other Christians? Either face-to-face or online. Have we spent some of our day hanging out with those that are not yet Christians? Now, here's a model to help us think a bit more about that out bit of our lives. Because actually that's where proclaiming the gospel hits the road. And yet most people tell me that a straight words proclamation of the good news is a rarity. So in the run-up to those rare moments, how about this as a model? It's bless. So B for bless. Express kindness and thoughtfulness to someone else in your day. L then is for listen. Choose to take time to listen and give undivided attention to let someone else talk. Guess that old adage of a problem shared is a problem halved. That actually listening is a real gift that we can give to people. So B for bless, L for listen, E for eat. Drink. But it doesn't really work if you put D in there. Eat with someone outside of your normal circle of family and friends. Could you have lunch with somebody from work? Could you invite somebody around for, for a meal? Could you um, offer to go for a cup of coffee with somebody? Bless, listen, eat. That's somebody outside of your normal circle of friends. But that, in doing so, increases your normal circle of friends and family. So then, uh, one S is share. Uh, and that's about sharing what God has given us. In the sense of saying that actually if we have... If we understand, because we understand the good news, we can be people who say, as we meet others that are in trouble, you know... Have you thought about things this way? Have you... What about recognising what God has given us? How about blessing or being nice to, like the cashier or the bus driver, whatever it is, and sharing something of your knowledge of God with others? And then S is about serving, an intentional activity to serve others. Blessing, listening, eating, sharing, serving become five ways that we can think about how we be people of the gospel. How we choose explicitly to use our time and our talents and our abilities to God's glory. 
because we're called to be people who tell out, who proclaim, who are in partnership in telling out this amazing good news that we have. And we do that in the grace and peace of God, in the power and peace of God. So let's take a moment to pray. Friends, in our prayer meeting before the service, we um, somebody had a picture of, of, of heavy rain and of a crowd of people with their umbrellas up, but which is fairly logical. But if the rain is a picture of the Holy Spirit, our umbrellas become a way of keeping ourselves avoiding God's Spirit, of a barrier to being drenched in the Spirit. And I think the question has to be for us, what is the equivalent of our umbrella? What stops us living in the life that God has called us to? Father, we ask, we thank you that you are the revealer of mysteries. We ask that you would help us to know your power and your peace. would give us clarity about what it is that stops us from wanting to live in the full light of your love for us. In light of the power that you've placed in us. Father, we give to you our fears. We give to you those barriers. We choose in the Spirit to take down those umbrellas and to enjoy your reign, the reign of your Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Give us a renewed passion for seeing the lost come to know you. That as we go through this world, we would be people who somehow just ooze you. Your presence is clearly with us. That we have the courage and the confidence to declare your blessing 
to declare your love, to see your kingdom come on this earth as it is in heaven. Make us bold, make us fearless for the sake of your gospel, we pray. friends before we pray for the wider world we're going to stand and we're going to declare our faith in the words of the creed as printed on our the third column of our